this morning is today is well today all day is Christmas Eve um, and we've talked about this fact that the 25th of December the day we celebrate the birth of Jesus isn't really his birthday he, he was not born on December the 25th there's no possible way that could have happened um, for a whole heap of reasons but nevertheless it's not about the particular day we need to celebrate the fact that he came, that God sent his son, Jesus Christ. That's what we, we want to focus on and highlight through this particular time uh, of the year that we have. Uh, we don't, you know, I, I smile to myself and think this is just crazy, but you look at the Christmas decorations and we've got Sanders dressed up in these big woolly suits with snow all around. And that's crazy. Why are we doing that? Or the other extreme is we have koala bears with Santa hats. And, and if you go into the shops, that's what you see, all this stuff with, with Santa Claus and Christmas decorations and Christmas stuff. You drive down through the streets and some, there's not as many lights this year. Is, is that just me or is that what everyone's feeling? There's not as many Christmas lights. I don't mind that so much, but I think it's weird. And But those that do have it, there's a lot of Christmas stuff that is not really anything to do with the birth of Jesus Christ, which is the very reason for the season. That frustrates me. And it makes me feel like, why are we celebrating at all if we cannot celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ? Well, we're in a series called Christmas Lights, where we want to draw the focus away from all the glitz and glamour and the attraction and all of that stuff that goes with those Christmas lights and Christmas decorations and, and you go into some of backyards or front yards, they've got these big Christmas presents. I want to go and open them up just to see, make sure there's nothing in them. Um, we want to get away from that and focus on the greatest light of the world. And that is Jesus Christ. We've read the verse a number of times, we'll read it in a minute. But we began this series speaking about the fact that what it means or what Jesus meant when he said, I am the light of the world. And let me ask you a trick question before we get to the verse of John 8. But what a trick question for you is what is the purpose of a refrigerator? Now, don't answer just yet. What's the purpose of a refrigerator? And before you answer, remember I said it's a trick question. Okay, so now some are already doubting what they were going to say. I know you are. Okay, so let's see how we go. Hands up if you think or believe that the purpose of a refrigerator is to make things cold. All right, okay. All right. Okay, here's the truth. Refrigerators don't make things cold. That's weird now, isn't it? Science lesson. Refrigeration doesn't make stuff cold. It takes away heat. That's what refrigerators do. They don't actually make something cold. They draw the heat out of it. That's why we've got evaporators and condensers on the back and the old fridges particularly there was this big black grid on the back remember some of those old fridges and they got hot 
Why was that? Because it was drawing the heat out of the cavity, which we call the refrigerator, and it makes things feel cold, but it's, all it's doing is taking the heat out of stuff. Difference does it make? Well, I think it's a principle that we would learn well to understand it because light and darkness is the same kind of principle. When we speak about light and when we speak about darkness, because light and darkness cannot coexist. Just as hot and cold, you might get a warm, I guess, but they don't. you either have one or the other technically. So as soon as light is on something, there is no darkness. Darkness disappears. And what happens when you go into a dark room and, and turn on the light? You can see. Why can you see? Because there's, you, you've not just put light in, you've taken away the darkness. There's no way of putting dark into a room. The only way you can put dark into a room is to take away light. And that's what happens. That's, that's the principle that's at work. When Jesus said, I am the light of the world, and if you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness. No, because you will have the light that leads to life. And what Jesus was saying in that one statement was that following him means that we don't need to walk in darkness. That he, where he is, Darkness cannot coexist. That when Jesus is present, there is no darkness. He wasn't talking about him being a literal light switch where he walks into a room and goes flick. He wasn't talking about that, but he was using it metaphorically and saying that, that he was the answer to the spiritual darkness that this world is in the midst of even when we don't realise it. That Jesus Christ is the answer to the darkness of this world, the spiritual darkness of this world. That he came so that we didn't have to get caught up and stumble through life because there was no light. And he said, I am the light of the world. And when we speak of spiritual darkness, we're speaking of living a life apart from God, where God is not part of us in the way that the decisions that we make and the, the thoughts that we have, that, that we do things outside of what God wants. We do what we want, in other words. We're speaking of living a life apart from God. The scriptures call it sin. God calls it sin. When we live apart from God, when we do not live in his word. We are all born into this sinful world, this darkness of world, and in our, we are born in a sinful state, <clears throat> excuse me, and we're separated from God. You can't escape that. The reason for that is because it, it's part of our DNA that's come right through from the beginning of time with Adam and Eve. <clears throat> Sin darkens our understanding and destroys our spiritual light or the spiritual light. It destroys it and leaving us in this deep sense of spiritual darkness. It's not that darkness comes in, it's that we've pushed light out. 
It's not that Satan has managed to overcome Jesus. It's me, it, what it's come down to is we've pushed Jesus out and allowed the darkness to infiltrate the things that we do. And Proverbs 4 verse 19, it says, The way of the wicked is like darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. It's weird, isn't it? Even in darkness, we don't, why do we not know why we stumble? Why is it that we can live in a world of darkness, fumbling around, stumbling around, and not know why? And when we live in spiritual darkness, we're prone to stumble. We're prone to fall. And what Jesus wants us to understand it's, is that it's possible to live in this world in a state of light, that we don't need to live in a dark world, but it's even though we're going to have struggles, even though there's going to be problems, even though we're not going to have everything work out right because we live in this darkness of world, that we do not need to stumble in the process. We can walk, and that's what we talked about in week two, I think it was, of this series where Psalm 119 says, your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. It helps us to, or prevents us from stumbling. <clears throat> and darkness in the scriptures is the equivalent of spiritual darkness. And when Jesus commissioned Paul, remember the apostle Paul, he was Saul at the time, but he met Saul on the road to Damascus. He changed his name to Paul and he made it abundantly clear that this world or that living in a state of darkness, of spiritual darkness, meant that they had no place in the kingdom of heaven. Living in the darkness of this world meant that there was no, <clears throat> excuse me, meant there was no possible way for them to enter into the kingdom of heaven if they lived or continued to live in this darkness. Then when God's speaking or Jesus is speaking to, to Saul, who became Paul in Acts 26, he, 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 he causes this bright light to come on him and Saul falls to the ground and he hears what, what God is saying, what Jesus is saying to him. And then he repeats this later in his testimony. He tells people what happened because, you know what, this is an amazing part of Paul's testimony. And later on in Acts 26, <clears throat> This is Paul telling his story and it says, but this is what Jesus said to him. He told me, but rise and stand on your feet for I have appeared to you for this purpose to make you a minister and a witness both, both of the things which you have seen and of the things which I will yet reveal to you. I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you. To open their eyes, listen to this, in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they might receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance amongst those who are sanctified by faith in me. The purpose of what God was sending Saul out for was to show us, even the Gentiles, where we are Gentiles by in, the, in this context, to show us that 
we, it is possible to turn away from darkness into light. And what does Jesus actually say to Saul at that time? He says that living in this darkness is the same. He says it. He, he, he understand, helps him understand what he's talking about. It's not just from them to darkness to light. It's from the power of Satan to God. And so what Jesus was telling Saul is that if we're living in darkness, we're separated from God. We're, we're actually living under the banner or under the authority of Satan himself because he is the God of darkness. In other words, when we start living the way that Jesus showed us that we have to live, the kingdom is, is going to elude us if we continue to live in spiritual darkness. Unless we start to live the way that Jesus wants us to live, we are going to find ourselves not making it in life where we think we should, where we think we are. And what Jesus did for us by coming into the world, not just, well, he came as a baby, but it wasn't about the baby Jesus Christ. It was about the promised Messiah. It was the manifestation of God himself entering into this world as a human being so that we could actually relate in some form or understand in a much better way. What Jesus did for us by coming in in human form was to give sight to those who were spiritually blind. He said in John 8, I am the light of the world. He came to show us how we can live in light. And John 9 says, Jesus said, for judgment I've come into this world that those who do not see may see and that those who see may be made blind. That's a weird passage, isn't it? Why would Jesus say that? He was telling us that if you think you are okay, you're probably not. But if you realise that you're not, I've come to give you a process of giving you the light so that you might work and walk without stumbling. Those that think they've got it all together, I'm going to show them that they're actually blind. Those that humble themselves or realize that they haven't got it all together, that there is something greater, I'm going to show you that, there, that you can be made right and you can see in the light. He wanted us to know the truth. And that's what we really dealt with last week when we talked about that the, the light reveals the truth. And Jesus made this statement, and we read it last week in John 18. He says, I've come into the world that I, that's Jesus, should bear witness to the truth. So we have this issue or this struggle between light and darkness constantly before us and there is a deception. And if you're taking notes this morning, whether you're online or here, the first point is deception, the deception. And, and the reality is that the scriptures are very, very clear Without God in our lives, without living our lives the way that God wants us to live, we are living in spiritual darkness. We don't probably realise that because spiritual darkness is a state of a person who is living apart from God. We've already talked about that. So if you're living apart from God, we are living in a state of spiritual darkness. We are blind to the truth. We cannot understand the truth because we are 
blinded by the deception that is happening around us. In fact, Satan has so deceived us in this area that the world doesn't even realise that it's living in darkness. The world has no concept that what we have is not what we should have, that what we actually live in is not real or not truth because we're, we're living in a world that is spiritually blind because we have pushed God out. That leaves, take away the light, we're left with darkness. And if you read any of the scientific journals, if you're into that sort of thing, if you read any of those kinds of things, what you're going to find is that the worldly scientist believes that we are living in a time of great awakening and enlightenment and wisdom and understanding and we're so much smarter and aware of everything that's going on than our predecessors were. We're so much more smart. And we see things so much more clearly now. We're, we don't want to go back to the old thinking because it was old thinking. It's strange, isn't it? They think we're beginning to see things more clearly and understand things at a deeper level. And we're being duped into believing things like there's multiple genders when facts just don't add up to that. Or you can change your gender by some operation and hormone replacement and stuff and suddenly you're the other gender. It doesn't work like that. We've been duped into thinking that life evolved from some cells that fell to earth out of some distant galaxy. I think that takes a lot more faith than to believe other things, but that's what we're being told in, in some of these smart journals, that these cells just evolved and suddenly we become us. I don't know what, do the other cells stop falling? We've been duped into thinking that life doesn't begin until after your first breath. That at, at the moment of conception, you're just a bundle of cells and it doesn't make any difference until you're actually physically in the world and you take your first breath, then you're, you're a human being. But that's the, the craziness of that is that you can't kill any other pregnant animal without getting into trouble because you're taking away a life. We've been duped into thinking that life only begins when you take your first breath. We've been duped into thinking that peace can just come by everybody just being unified in their thinking and all understanding the same sorts of things and agreeing with one another and according to this enlightened thinking that we have. And we've been duped into thinking that mankind is inherently good and that we've, we've got to eradicate evil, that evil can be eradicated simply by re-education, teaching our children these new ways of thinking in the universities and schools and 
and educational processes with, with all the worldly values and the principles that are taught to, to train up our children so that they understand this new thinking that life is what it is today and all the old kind of thinking is bad. We've been duped. All the while go ignoring the principles and values that have been given to us by our Creator. The one who made us, the one who put everything on this planet for us, the one who set the seasons in place, the moon, the sun, the stars, the, the waters that would come so far, the raised up the hills, created the valleys, created all the plants and animals and birds and fish and everything else that we have. We've pushed out the light of the world and we're now living in this area of darkness because if we live in light, then we would really see. It's the greatest deception of all time. And it's causing people everywhere at the end of the day to have no hope. What's the purpose? See no future. Too many people give up on it because there is no purpose, there is no hope, there is no future in it. And so we give up and quit on our lives before due time. That is the result of living a life in darkness. That's the result of living a life without God in our life. And Paul reminds us in Ephesians 2 of what our life was like living apart from Christ. Ephesians 2 says, In those days, this is before people became their gave their life to the Lord Jesus Christ, in those days you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel and you did not know the covenant promises God had made with them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. And that's what happens when we push God out of our, our lives, when we push him out of our educational system, when we push him out of our government regulations and, and, and all of those places, when we push God out, we live in a world of darkness and we don't even know it. We don't even understand it. From the moment Adam sinned, Humans have lived in a fallen world. All people are born in this fallen state of sinfulness and separation from God. We live in that life. And unless there is a change of direction, unless there is an opening of our eyes, unless we start to walk in the light, nothing will change. Nothing will change. And we'll go on doing the same things, thinking that we've got it all together. It's like this deep darkness that we're not even aware of that we're living in and we're stumbling through life believing that we're doing okay. That's a deception. We're not doing okay. There's, a, there's actually, I love the scriptures because they always explain themselves, but there's an Old Testament Physical illustration of this whole principle at work, physical description of what it looks like to live in darkness. And, and, and it's in Exodus. And one of the plagues that God brought upon the Egyptians was the, the plague of darkness. And I want to show you, read just a verse or two here. 
that's in Exodus 10, it says, The Lord said to Moses, lift up your hand toward heaven and the land of Egypt will be covered with a darkness. Listen to this, so thick you can feel it. So thick you can feel it. So Moses lifted up his hand to the sky and a deep darkness covered the entire land of Egypt for how many days? Three days. Do you not think that's a a coincidence? I mean, it's not a coincidence. What was that? What what God was doing at that point in time, there's, there's a great deal more in this verse than just a plague that happened to Egypt. A great deal more of happening that what God was revealing in a physical sense was what took place in on the cross with Jesus Christ. What happened when Jesus died? Darkness fell across the land. When, when God removed himself from Egypt, it was so thick you could feel it. When God, when, when man took Jesus out of this world, it was darkness that came across. How long was he in the tomb for? Three days. That's what, even in the Old Testament, it's showing us the same sorts of principles. It's an exact parallel to to Jesus being in this tomb. There was such a spiritual darkness in Egypt at the time over the land that they were unable to see what they were doing. And they stumbled and they fell. And when Jesus died on the cross, there was such a spiritual darkness that they were unable to see what they were doing to Jesus Christ, thinking they were doing a good thing, thinking they were being right. They were fixing the problems, getting rid of this man called Jesus. And that's still the case that we have in our culture today for those who are living in spiritual darkness. Thinking that we're doing a good thing, getting rid of this this kind of, theology around the place so that we can live and and train up our children in a new world kind of order. So that's the deception that we're living in. Second, if you're taking uh, notes, it's the deliverance. So, So where does the spiritual light come from? How can we actually escape this darkness and live in a life of light? We're told exactly how we can do that very clearly and plainly in John, where our deliverance comes from. In John 1, it says, The Word gave life to everyone, sorry, to everything that was created. And His life, Word is a person, Word is Jesus Christ. If you read through all of John 1, you'll find that out. But Jesus, so I'll replace the word, Word with Jesus, but Jesus gave life to everything that was created and His life brought light to everyone. And the light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. It can never extinguish it. Our deliverance can only come and it must come through Jesus Christ. We will only begin to see light when we take our eyes away from the world and we start to look to Jesus Christ, who is the light of the world. And if we walk or follow him, we will not walk in darkness. We can be free and and be able to see in this darkness. We can be free from the darkness and the suppression and the oppression that comes from living in this world by putting it in our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ entirely. Exodus 10 goes on to describe the difference between those living in the darkness during the plague 
plague and those living in light because while there was darkness in the land of Egypt, it goes on to tell us in the land of Goshen where the Israelites were living, it was light. It says during all that time, the people could not see each other and no one moved, but there was light as usual where the people of Israel lived. Isn't that wonderful? Amazing? I can't even get my head around that because I had this conversation. Was there a distinct line of dark light around Goshen or was it this blurry part of grey? I don't know. It doesn't matter. But the scriptures tell us very clearly that in the land of Goshen, which is right there, it was light as normal, but right here it was so dark they could feel it and they were stumbling around. And that's what happens. If we are not careful, we will find ourselves living stumbling. Those that were under the blanket of darkness couldn't move. They were stuck. But those in the light went on as normal. They went on as usual because they could see. That's exactly what happens when, when we live in darkness. We, we really don't understand stuff. We think we're moving, but we're not. We're stumbling through life. It's, it hinders our effectiveness. It, it stops us from functioning. But deliverance comes by living in the light. The way to see is to live in the light. It's, it's normal to live in the light. That's normal. We are not designed or meant to live in darkness. We were created in light and so normal living is light. And the good news is that Jesus has brought light into this world. His life-giving spirit floods us with the light and the light that gives life into the spiritual darkness that our world is is in. It gives us into our own hearts the, the ability to see that we would not normally see. The one who opened the eyes of the blind physically can also open up the, the spiritual, take away the spiritual blindness from those who are struggling with spiritual darkness. No matter how deep the darkness is, no matter how far down in this pit of, of darkness we go, the light of God's love and his truth overcomes every sin that separates us from our heavenly father. There is no depth to which we can go that God's light will not reveal us or help us to be able to see. Paul reminds us in Ephesians 5, he says, for once you were full of darkness, but now you have the light from the Lord. So live as people of the light. Don't get caught up in the things of this world. Don't, don't do the things that the world, the darkness do. Do the things that the people in the light do. And when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and our Saviour, he opens our eyes so that it's taken us away from darkness and brought us into light. For Colossians says he's rescued us, rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. He's taken us out of the kingdom of darkness. His deliverance has shifted us from darkness. And it means now that we can begin to live a new life and live life to the fullest, the way that we were meant to live. We can live it with enthusiasm and, and excitement and, and wonder. It's a free gift given to all. 
everyone has this free gift offered to them, but like any gift, and many of you are going to get gifts over the next day or two, but those gifts that are sitting under your Christmas trees or sitting wherever they're sitting at this moment in time, while they might have your name on it, they are not yours until you take them, until you receive them. Then it becomes yours. And that's what happens with Jesus Christ. He has made an offer to you. He has presented a gift to us all to receive the Lord Jesus Christ so that we might live in light and not in darkness. But it's not ours until we accept that. It's available, but until we receive it, it doesn't become ours and we receive it, which is the third point, the decision that we need to make. We have a decision to make. It's not really a hard one, though, because of those of us who have had the blindfold or the blindness taken away when we see a lot more clearer than we once did. And we've seen Jesus and we, we know that life is far more than just our ticket out of hell. It's more than just when we accept the Lord Jesus Christ. He just doesn't save us from going in eternal death in hell. It's much more than that. When we make the decision to accept this free gift that is available to all of us, we get to experience life to the fullest now here on this planet. Like Jesus said we could. In John 10, I've come that you might have life and have it to the fullest. And making the decision would be the best decision that you could ever make in this entire life. To, to shift yourself from living in darkness to living in light, to shift, lifting, shift from living under the influence of Satan to living in the, under the power of God. We need to decide today where we stand on this because we can't, there's no half point, there's no grey area, there's no foot in both camps. You can't say, well, I'm going to do both. You can't. It's not, and that's why I think, gosh, and there was a distinct line. It was one or the other. You can't put a foot in both camps on this issue. You need to either live all for Christ or you're not living at all for Christ. If we confess with our mouth, Romans 10, 9 says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Everyone who admits their rebellion, who recognises that they have sinned against our creator and repents of their sins, that means not just sorry, it means I'm not going to go that way again. I turn around. Repent means to do a 180-degree turn, to repent of their sin and turn to Christ in faith, seeing him for who he is, the scriptures tell us that he, that person, will be saved. He's a new person, a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5 says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things have gone, the old things have passed away, and all things have become new now. Why? Because we now see. We have the darkness has taken away, the blindness or scales or whatever it is was hindering us from seeing has taken away. And as a new creation, we need to make a decision to how we live now in accordance with what Jesus says. We have to make that choice. Someone who is in Christ 
and loves Christians or says they love Christians and being around other Christians, say they love the local church because they love God, but don't want to have anything with Christ or don't want to have anything to do with that, you would have to question that. Because someone who is in Christ loves Christians. Someone who is in Christ loves being around other Christians. Someone who is in Christ loves being in fellowship of the believers in the body of Christ that we call church. The ecclesia is the word that the scriptures use, the Greek word. Someone who's a new person in Christ find that even following the Lord Jesus, when, when following the Lord Jesus Christ is hard, we do it anyway because Jesus is, is just too compelling not to do the right thing because of the things that are potentially going to happen if we don't. He's just too beautiful. He's just too good to let go of. We want to be obedient to Jesus Christ. We obey God because we love God. Not because we have to, but we, we love him so much we would not want to do anything other than to do what he wants us to do. We're eager to confess when things go wrong and turn from away from our sinful behaviour when, when we realise we've done something wrong, we get to our knees or we come before our Heavenly Father because we don't want to disappoint him. But here's the thing. It's possible to grow up in a Christian family, to go to church all your life, to read your Bible, to attend a youth group, to even go to a small group and even be in a prayer meeting, play in a church band and still be living in blindness. It's possible to do all the right things but in the wrong state. So whether considering whether your profession is faith is real, if we're going to say, you know what, I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, we need to establish something. What is my lifestyle reflective of that? You know what, the, the Bible tells us that someone who is in Christ says that they, that's not just excited about being in heaven. Someone who's excited about heaven but bored by Christ bored by Christians and bored by the local church may possibly still be blind because it's not possible to live in light and have those things happen. Someone who thinks heaven will be great, whether Jesus is there or not, may still be blind. Someone who, is, who likes Jesus but wants no part of being obedient to his word or living in holiness, may still well be blind. Someone who's bothered by other people's sins more than our own may still be blind. And here's the problem with that. When we're blind, we don't even know we're blind. We're living in this deception. And that's what Jesus was talking about when he said he was speaking, when he was speaking to his disciples about the final judgment in Matthew 7. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. Not everyone who says or professes me as Lord will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father. It's, it's obedience 
That's the key to this. Those who do, do the word of my Father in heaven, many will say to me in that day, Lord, we, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, done many, many wonders in your name, and then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Why did he not know them? Because they had not given up the darkness. They were trying to earn their way into the kingdom of heaven by doing stuff without shifting their life into the light. And clearly there will be people who think they've done enough to be in the kingdom but won't make it. Jesus was clear on that. And there will be some who even use the name Jesus Christ in casting out demons and doing other wonders who, who have never met or not meeting the criteria of what it means to be in the kingdom of heaven. Why? Because entrance into the kingdom of heaven is not dependent on what we do. It's dependent on who we are. When we accept the free gift of eternal life of Jesus Christ is offering us, we become his child. We are accepted into the heaven because we are his child. We are his children. That's why we get into the kingdom, not because of anything we've done. He's done everything that needs to be done. Our response to that is to become his child. And as a child of God, we can be absolutely 100% certain of our place in the kingdom of heaven. We do not need to doubt that anymore because the scriptures tell us and his word is truth. We've dealt with that. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has become a child of God. Everyone who loves the Father more, sorry, loves the Father, loves his children too. We know that we love God's children if we love God and obey his commandments. Loving God means keeping his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome for every child of God defeats the evil world and we achieve this victory through our faith. That's the key. So what decision are we making? There's no halfway mark. There's no foot in both camps. You can't say that you love Christ but really don't love being around Christians or don't, being part of the local church or, or obedience to God in other areas. We, it just doesn't make any sense. It's either we're all in or we're not in at all. We're all out. There isn't really any middle ground on this. You either love God and are obedient to him or you resist that obedience and do your own thing. Now, I'll tell you straight up, that's your choice. That's, I don't even like using the word, but that's okay in one sense. Your choice is your choice. Except for the fact that we don't know when we're going to stand before our creator. We don't know how long we've got on this planet. We don't know when Jesus, if, if it was when Jesus is going to come back. We don't know when everything will finish. Some of you, some of us may not be here this time next year. We just may not be. We might have departed from this world. 
That's just a reality of life. There is a number of our own family this year who are not here this year, that were here at last Christmas. Coming up on an anniversary of Pete, Iris, Leona, people that we loved and, and we cherished and we, and we talked to and we were in their homes at times and we understood that. They're not here this year. I believe every one of those love the Lord and I, I believe the scriptures when it says we'll be in the kingdom. So that's okay that that's happened, but they made their choice. And if you've never made the decision, why not let this season be the season of spiritual change for you? Why not let this be the best Christmas ever? Why not accept the free gift of Jesus Christ instead of pushing it away consistently? It's there for you to take. It's there for you to accept. It's there for you to have. And if you're not sure where you stand, maybe that's just a, time, a, a moment or an or a, a indication that there's a need for reconsidering so that you can be absolutely certain of your eternity in the kingdom of heaven, but you can live life to the full right now. Don't let it linger. Don't leave it another day. Don't wait till next year. Don't make it a New Year's resolution to say this is what I'm going to do. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day where you can come to know the Lord Jesus Christ and live in light instead of being deceived by the darkness. And the sad part of all that is what we just talked about is that living in darkness, we don't even know we're living in darkness. We think it's truth. It's not. Don't leave it. Today is the only day that you can be absolutely certain that you will be here. In fact, this moment is the only time that you can be certain that you will be here. Anything could happen between now and tonight, end of the week, next few months. And I don't want you to miss out on what Jesus has done in my life and he's done in many of your lives, but there are some who have not made the decision for certain. They're a foot in both camps, which is a foot in the darkness. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your love for us and that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, that we might have life and have it to the full. I thank you that you are going before us even now, that there are times in our life where we realise that we have not made good choices. But today, Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to us, that we would be convicted in our spirit now to accept the Lord Jesus Christ as a free gift into our life. The Holy Spirit would come in and fill us and refresh us, that we would begin to see clearly now the things that we had no clue on, that there would be an exciting chapter ahead for us where we would begin to see things that we didn't even know existed, that we weren't aware of, that we were, we were illiterate in. Father, I pray that today would be the day where you remove that spiritual blindness from us and that you would open up our eyes to the things that you want for us, that you'd bring healing, that you'd bring restitution, that you'd bring joy, that you'd bring peace, that you'd bring love into our lives. 
And I pray today for your presence to be with us as we leave this place and we go into our family times and our our work and world and all of the things that we're going to unfold over the next few days. Father, I pray that the Holy Spirit might lead us and guide us and direct every step that we take. And I pray this now in the Lord Jesus Christ's name and ask for your guidance.